Wisconsin's Afternoon News is on the air. Broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in beautiful downtown Milwaukee. Here's John McCure. All right, Sandy Max is also here on this Tuesday afternoon. Greg Matzik is doing the show as well. I, I think he's outside trying to survive the pneumonia front. And Debbie Lazica is trekking a tough day on the roads. Adam Roberts producing the show, as always, this afternoon, except when he's on vacation. All right, let's get to the pneumonia front. It has come through, the pneumonia front. It was almost 80 degrees earlier today in most of southeast Wisconsin. That's no longer the case. WTMJ's Jessica Gatzow is out in it. Where are you, Jess? Hi, so I am on the Riverwalk over by the Chase Tower, um, and I think it's down to about 67 degrees at this point, so it hasn't quite hit that 20-degree drop yet. But is it noticeable? Can you tell from when you went out there an hour or so ago to now? It is noticeable, especially because of how windy it is. It's a very cold wind, so that's that's making it feel like it's already gone down more. Are you dressed appropriately? Do you wish you had yet another jacket, or are you fine? <laughs> you know, I do wish I had a warmer jacket, but I did already have my jacket on about 15 minutes ago when I could feel the wind kicking up. <laughs> yeah, and the wind's cold, isn't it? Does it feel like it's out of the north? And, well, right now, the sun's trying to peek out at me on the river here. So I I don't know if it's going to win over the wind, though. All right. Well, keep us updated out there, okay? We'll check in in a little while. Sounds good. Our own Greg Matzik is also out there. Uh, Grego, what's it like where you are? Well, I'd actually just stopped at the bar to get a beer. Hang on a second. Let me walk outside. (laughs) Move the door open here. So that way your your beer will stay cold if the pneumonia front's doing its job. Well, all right. So now, to me, this feels like a cooler near the lake day. Like if it's 72 in Waukesha and it's like 57 by the lake, that's what it feels like. Uh, The sun isn't out, but it's just like a normal kind of spring day. Of course, I haven't been outside about six hours, so I'm not sure how warm it really was downtown. But I, I would say this is like... A standard, kind of cool, comfortable May day. The wind's not ripping around too much. We hear it's windy a little bit in most places. You're growing your hair out. Uh, take that ball cap off. Can you feel <laughs> the wind did. in your hair? Uh, yes. Yes, I can. I'm, I'm at that weird stage where my hair is messy, but I can't comb it. <laughs> you're, you're growing it out, we should tell people, because of the money raised for charity by our listeners. So you've agreed to grow your hair out for a month. I- I found a heater, John. I'm going to crank this Ooh. thing up, okay? We'll okay. get everybody nice and comfortable here at the market hall. And then do you guys need donuts? Because I can grab a couple on my way back in. That'd be great. But it's, and You'd you're be our not experienced the chill that other people are. Like Katie from Shorewood on the old National Bank Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. She reported it dropped almost 60 degrees because she's half a mile west of the lake. So 60 degrees? Yes. That's no what way. She, that's what she's reporting. That means it's 20. That would be, well, if it was 80... And it it drops 20. 60? Okay, maybe it's a typo. Maybe it's a typo. You know how <laughs> wow. talk to text can be. Yeah. But from 262 reporting that Mitchell's down to 57 degrees. And uh, so it, the, the wind is shifting in West Dallas as well, according to Debbie Lazaga. So uh, if you haven't felt it yet, I think it's uh, it's going to come. Yeah, all right. Gr- uh, grab those donuts, Greg. We'll see you <laughs> back inside in a couple of minutes. Yeah, real good, John. It is for You're right. That has to be a typo. Yeah. Just a typo. It happens, right? 82 Exonia, according to the 920 on the mm. old National Bank talking text line. So they're still uh, balmy. Yeah. Wisconsin Senator Chris Larson with us after the break. Let's talk budget. We bring in Wisconsin State Senator 
Chris Larson. Uh, Senator, let's start with this. Are you more of a donut hole guy for your snack or a bowl of chips? Bowel donut for sure. I mean, that's my dog's name, so I'm kind of impartial. <laughs> that's a great name. <laughs> what kind of dog well, is chips, donut? Chips would, be, uh, chips would be a good name for a dog, too. I think, uh, yeah, that would work as well. Uh, yeah, it's my uh, it's my kid's dog. Obviously, we lost. I lost that poach um, in, in naming the dog, but we do love her. <laughs> uh, that's fantastic. Hey, thanks for joining us to talk about the budget. I know we're right in the midst of the process. Joint finance meeting today. A lot of sorting out to be done. Uh, you've been through a lot of these, and the sense I get, we had Devin Lemahue on earlier, and we talked to the governor not that long ago, is that both sides are at least talking. Is that a fair way to characterize this? Does it feel like there's more an effort to work through things, or or no? Is that all a facade? It's hard to say right now, um, and I think that there's a recognition on, on the shared revenue side, right? That's, that's uh, high priority for everybody before the rest of the budget. Um, there's a recognition, right? Towns, counties, cities across the entire state are starving for shared revenue. I think there's 95% of them have fallen behind and had to do some type of referendum. So uh, I think there's a, there's a recognition they need to do something or people are going to be getting uh, pretty upset. Let me ask you about the referendum question. Uh, Senator Lemahue told us earlier today that he doesn't like the idea. He thinks that, you know, bodies should be able to decide on their own, which is what the leaders here in Milwaukee think, by and large. But Robin Voss has said it needs to go to referendum. What's your opinion on whether that should go to referendum or local governing bodies should be able to make the decision? Yeah, look, I think that there's a limited time here. We just got a presentation from the city of Milwaukee on Friday that shows that if there is not uh, an influx of dollars, whether that be direct dollars coming in or that be new revenue being produced at the local level or or being something else, uh, that they're at risk of having to lay off 500 police officers, 100 firefighters, and shut down every library in the city. So this is you know, break and break, uh, break glass in case of emergency situation. So uh, I think at that point, yeah, you, you want to try to do something as quick as possible. I, I think the way that they wrote the referendum is designed to fail. Um, so I think at the very least, giving the, the community the power to either enact it on their own and they have to face voters or to be able to write the referendum in a way that they see fit and put that to voters and leave it up to them. I don't like a lot of the making the sausage sort of questions, but I'm going to ask one here. With what you just said, with Devin Lemahue, leader of the Republicans in the Senate, saying basically the same thing that you just said, but Robin Voss saying, no, it needs to go to referendum. How does this get worked out? Yeah, I mean, look, I think that there's, this is where we have to figure out where all the votes are throughout the entire Assembly and the entire Senate. Um, and I think, look, for the other shared revenue to be able to, to flow down to other communities in the state, there's, there's no referendum there. And I, I got to believe that if there was a similar situation, obviously, City of Milwaukee is bigger than all the other cities in the state. Uh, we have a good chunk of the population, so it's a little bit further advanced in its needs. Um, but every community in the state is on that track. So I think listening to the locals is, and, and bringing their voices into it is, is probably the most important piece. Um, that's who should we be listening to. Senator Chris Larson is with us on WTMJ. You bring up Milwaukee being the driver in the state, and there's no doubt about it the numbers are the numbers that it is in so many areas, especially on the fiscal and financial sides of things. When I talk to legislators that aren't from near Milwaukee, they still don't like the idea of money going to fund improvements at the ballpark that come from other parts of the state, even if it's from the surplus. Is it important that we get this taken care of sooner rather than later? Yeah, I, I've, I just had a meeting with the uh, representatives from the Brewers 
um, folks today. I, I think that this still has to be sold to the public. Every town hall that I've had, every community meeting about where, where this is, they're not really fond of the idea of giving a bunch of money over to the brewers, again, without the voters having a say on it. Um, so, yeah, we want to keep the brewers here. I, I think that they have to make the sales pitch to the public. Uh, the one thing that I said to them is, look, if you're looking for a big public handout, there should be more public at the table. Uh, and that may need to consider public ownership like the model we have in Green Bay. Um, so we don't have a threat of our home team uh, moving away because an owner sees sees more money in another community or potentially is, or is at least willing to threaten that uh, and hope that the, the community ponies up cash so that their home team isn't uh, isn't leaving them behind. And Senator Larson, uh, in the Milwaukee Brewers perspective in your conversation today, is there wiggle room on an amount that they would be satisfied with? Is it a lesser amount than what was originally proposed? Yeah, I mean, it was a good discussion because they gave me the full picture that this is these are improvements that they're looking for before the lease is up. So over the next seven, eight years, um, and they're essentially this is the estimate they have. This is what they say that they're going to that they need. Um, so I, I I think that they're not going to. There's a way to be able to find a compromise. They they were just basically telling me what the different deals that were on the table that people were talking about. Um, but, you know, they're an organization. They're looking to try and get as much money from from the uh, from the public at large as they as they can. Right. That's anybody who's been to Miller Park since opening day knows that the price of beer has gone up. They're willing to they're willing to try and get as much as they can out of us. Um, that's their job. Our job as a as lawmakers is to figure out. Uh, what we can do on the public side to make sure the public's represented. I'm intrigued by something you said a moment ago, and that is that you floated the idea of a public ownership model like the Packers have, like exists in Green Bay. What was their reaction when you brought that up? <laughs> if you can imagine, it was pretty quiet. Um, <laughs> it's, not, it's, not, it's not at the front of what they want, but hey, you know, I, I, I think with you know, I think with the, the the prospect of the athletics moving over to Las Vegas recently, obviously there's there's not that many other markets out there. So I I think it's it's slightly an idle threat that people don't necessarily believe. But I you know I I don't like the idea of home teams just shifting around, right? Especially in one of the the the, the industries that America allows a monopoly on, right? With with uh, professional baseball teams, and it so, might have provided you know, a chuckle. They're open to it. I mean, it, was, it might have provided a chuckle, but creative solutions come from ideas that may not be obvious and on the table. It works. It works for the Packers. It could work for the Brewers. <laughs> hey, we've only got 30 seconds, but I want to ask you how close you think we are to medical marijuana becoming a reality in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, not unless the feds do it. <laughs> not in the next few years. Now, unfortunately, I think the uh, Republicans are against um firmly against it not not listening to folks on it so i I think you know the magic eight ball says we're doomed to at least another year and a half of sending revenues over to illinois and michigan that surprises me because i mean we've had robin voss says at a cursory level he's maybe open to it devin lemme who told us today that he is open to it do you think that's just a lot of lip service they've been saying that for five years so uh, no, we're one of the last, I think, 11 states now that don't have any type of legalized anything, right? So I, I, until there's a bill that they're behind and it starts to move forward, I, I think they understand that 60, you know, the Marquette poll shows it. Oh. Yep. 
Oh, we're losing you. We're going to let you go, Senator. But uh, legalization. Yeah, uh, what you thank you for being with us. Where your phone's breaking up, and what he was going to say was the Marquette poll shows that sixty uh, plus percent of people in the state of Wisconsin are definitely in favor of legalizing medical marijuana. Wisconsin's afternoon news on WTMJ. Four thirty nine at WTMJ America Snack Binge is going big time. I mean, uh, since the pandemic, people are snacking like crazy. So, have you seen this? So, nearly half of U.S. consumers are eating three or more snacks today, a day, a day, three each day, three or more. That's a lot. It's, it's up eight percent for what it's worth. Eight per, really. percent from last year, eight percent. Yes, uh, up eight percent in the past two years, according to the Circana Group. That's a marketing research firm. Uh, so stock prices have gone up for Hostess and for Hershey's. <laughs> I've noticed that as well as part of my research. But three snacks a day? Like, doesn't that speak to a larger issue in our country? I just is is that in your wheelhouse at all? It is definitely not in mine. On the weekend, it is in my wheelhouse. Really? Yeah. When I'm at home, I do snack. If I worked at home, I'd snack three times so a what, day. So what's a snack then? What does that comprise? So, like, I'll eat in the morning, not much breakfast. So I'll eat, like, a bowl of cereal or a banana and a granola bar. Then I would say before lunch, if I'm at home, I'll grab, like, a little thing of fruit snacks, maybe a granola bar. I'll eat lunch early afternoon. I usually eat something between lunch and dinner. Which is chocolate. Chocolate. Chocolate (laughs) is definitely in there. And then my worst habit is that after dinner, I will usually have something to snack. Anywhere from a bowl of ice cream to... If Michelle's getting the snack, maybe granola and yogurt. Or is that a delayed dessert? Is that the same? I like the way you think. It's not a snack. So it's a very interesting term, right? Because for me, snack is not dessert. It's not sweet. For me, snack is not fruit snacks. For me, snack is chips and dip. And and taco dip, right? That that's a snack to me. I don't know why. I just don't associate it's savory for you with snacks, except maybe like a trail mix. Trail mix might be a snack for mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm. But dessert items, typically, that's that's not in my snack wheelhouse. So you're thinking junk food snacks? Because to me, like that food rhythm that you just identified, John, that's that's kind of me. If I'm smart and have breakfast, and then somewhere mid morning, I'm like, oh, let me have a handful of almonds. Yeah. So like I usually snack on nuts. So that's a healthy. Trying snack. to find the healthiest snack that I can because yeah. sure. my stomach, tummy gets grumbly. If I keep it in the house, I devour it. Okay. So what that's if, what just if, it. Yeah. Uh, that's like why I don't have of, snacks. For some reason, one of my daughters told me the thing of Pringles, and she left the whole thing of Pringles. That thing just was gone. <laughs> the can. Just, I, I just. Well, because you just Greg brought us in a donut hole from Supernova Donut. Nuts yes. Here so from Third Street Market, which was delicious. But you handed each of us one, and it was delicious. I had two bites, and I was very happy. And you want more? No, I don't, because it really was <laughs> satisfying. Do. But if I bought a bag, there's no way I would. And oh, good for me! I'll save these for later. No way! I yeah, would plow through it. So I have no self control. So that's why we don't have potato chips in the house or. Cookies. I'll eat a whole sleeve. So what are the top snacks? Do we know? It, not a big surprise. So it, it, the potato chip industry is like an $11 billion industry. I mean, yeah. it's insanity. And then the potatoes for for Lay's potato chips come from central Wisconsin. There we go. Largely, right? So, so is that number one potato that chips? That is number one. Tortilla chips, number two. Meat snacks, number three. I can only <laughs> really? assume that's tricky. Is that a leak? Yeah. Uh, number four is popcorn, right. a favorite of John's. Oh. And healthy. Cheese snacks are number five. Then you get to snack mixes, so your your Chex Mix, mm-hmm. your Gardettos, I'm thinking yeah. along that line. Yeah. You don't really get to anything sweet until you get further down the line, and it's it's donuts. So in, in the mm. snack world, just by comparison, potato chips is like an $11 billion industry. 
Donuts is like a $2 billion industry. Wow. See, uh, potato. I will eat potato chips, but to me, they're too boring. Oh, I like like a something that has a little cheese flavor, like a sun, a cheddar sun chip or a Dorito. Okay. Or but potato chips crush everything. It, we we plot, if there's a bag of chips in the house, it is gone. Yeah. Like it, our family together will just destroy it. Yep. And do you like potato Sandy. chips or do you like flavored uh, chips? Salt and vinegar, barbecue. Like we just yeah, yeah. we don't discriminate. The crunch is very satisfying. Uh huh. As is yeah. the saltiness. <laughs> but yeah, but sure. mo- most of the things on this list fit into the more salty category. The only things on the snack list that are sweet would be snack cakes, donuts, muffins, and cookies. But they are far outnumbered by more of the salty stuff. Oh, I love cookies. They do. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Now that we've made you hungry. Yeah. All right, let's do this. Uh, the healthiest guy I know is Dr. John Raymond. And Dr. Raymond's with us live in the studio. Let's talk about snacking. With Dr. Raymond. We'll do that after the break right here on WTMJ. Dr. John Raymond is the president and CEO of the Medical College of Wisconsin. He joins us live in the studio. Dr. Raymond, good afternoon. Yeah, great to see you, John and Sandy. So last segment, we were talking about the most popular snacks in America, and I said, well, Dr. Raymond's in here. Let's ask him about snacking habits, but I know what your answer would be if I asked you about that. So instead, I'm going to ask you, what's your favorite snack? Reese's peanut butter cup. Mm. Oh, that's a good one. Okay, so you went chocolate. That's interesting. You didn't go salty. No. Uh, the full size, or do you like the mini size, or do you not discriminate? Um, well, I say eat things in moderation, but I don't always follow my own advice. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> it's a treat sometimes. It is, it is. All right. So when we think about snacking, I'll ask you one real medical question. What should we think about? I mean, we're all going to snack. What should we think about? Yeah, it's okay to snack as long as you eat a balanced diet. And you don't overdo it with the, with the snacks. And if you can maintain your weight and your fitness and still work some snacking in, that's not such a bad thing. And that's the only reason I work out is so that I can eat and drink what I want to, basically. I <laughs> uh, want to ask you about something that's in the news, and it's pancreatic cancer. Rates are spiking in women under the age of 55. Dr. Raymond, what do we know about that? Yeah, that's really surprising. Um, first of all, rates of pancreatic cancer are rising in the United States, and we don't really understand why that is. But they're rising more quickly in women under the age of 55. And typically you think of pancreatic cancer as a disease of aging. It affects people that are 65 and older usually. So this is really surprising. A lot of speculation about inflammation, alcohol intake, maybe foods that are high in fat and uh, processed chemicals and, and whatnot. But we really don't know right now. That's the bottom line. There's some good news in the fight against pancreatic cancer, and that is that a new personalized vaccine is showing promise. What do we know about the vaccine? Yeah, this is really pretty remarkable. There's a new study from Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center, so a very high-quality site, that showed tremendous effectiveness of a cancer vaccine against pancreatic ductal adenocarcinoma, which is the most deadly form of uh, pancreatic cancer. Typically, the two-year survival is less than 10%. And so they added this new vaccine onto standard therapy that included immunotherapy and chemotherapy. And what they were able to show was an improvement in survival that was remarkable from an average of 13 months with tumor recurrence to 18 months with no tumor recurrence in any of the people that, um, wow. that, that had a response. So it looks like this could be a more sustained response. The technology used here is the same mRNA vaccine technology that was used for the COVID vaccine. And what's wonderful about this is that this is the only technology available that can be used to personalize the vaccine targeted specifically to 
an individual's pancreatic cancer. So the promise of this technology is truly remarkable. It's wonderful to hear those developments, not just for pancreatic cancer, but last week talking about Alzheimer's disease and some progress there. And now the FDA just approved a different drug, Brex. Oh, you tried to help me pronounce this. Brexpiprazole? Pretty close. Brexpiprazole. Okay. But this drug is to treat agitation associated with Alzheimer's. And do you see this as a significant development? It it is a very significant development. As you said, Sandy, last week we talked about denanumab, which showed promise in slowing the cognitive decline that people with early Alzheimer's have. And one of the problems with late Alzheimer's dementia is that people can be agitated, they can be violent, and they can't live in a family setting anymore. They have to go into a a long-term care facility. So this uh, Brexpiprazole has been shown to reduce agitation in people with late-stage Alzheimer's dementia. Um, This was just approved uh, by the FDA. And it's already been used, so people, clinicians, know how to use it for schizophrenia and as an add-on medication for depression. So truly, um, I think, a significant advance in managing Alzheimer's disease. Dr. John Raymond is the president and CEO of the Medical College of Wisconsin. He is live with us in the studio. Some diet news today, high-quality, low-fat diets. What are we talking about here? Yeah, this is also really remarkable. There was a study in the Journal of Internal Medicine that compared two types of high-quality diets. The first was a low-fat, and the second was a low-carbohydrate diet to see whether those helped people live longer. That was the essential question. Um, They studied 400,000 patients that were enrolled in the AARP study with the NIH. They were age 50 to 71, and they were all enrolled in 1995 or 1996. So you've got 400,000 people that were followed for an average of 23 and a half years. And um, what they showed was that people on the low-fat diet um, had an 18% lower death rate than people that were on a standard diet or were on the low-carbohydrate diet. And if you think about 400,000 patients followed for over 23 years, an 18% difference in mortality is just huge. But some caveats. Um, They only did a single um, food intake uh, survey. Um, So the instrument was only taken one time, um, and this is just one study, even though it's a big study for the long term. I think the the take-home message here is one that we already know. If you eat a diet that is low in uh, poor-quality carbohydrate, starchy foods, uh, processed sugars, um, and animal products, um, you're probably going to fare better. So if you eat Mm plant-based diet... Um, you're going to probably live longer, which is pretty remarkable. Yeah, 18%, that's a big number. And what a huge population sample. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Uh, Talking about menopause, something everyone loves to talk about. But if you are experiencing it, there are a lot of people who would enjoy some relief. And the FDA has just approved a new non-hormone therapy for menopausal hot flashes and night sweats. Yeah, this also, I think, is a potential breakthrough. So typically in menopause, two of the symptoms that are the most debilitating are hot flashes and and night sweats. And you can treat that with hormones, either estrogen alone or estrogen plus progesterone. Uh, But those come with some risks, uh, very effective, 90% effectiveness. But some women can't use them. They can't tolerate the hormone therapy. Or if they have a hormone-sensitive cancer, it would be contraindicated to use those therapies. So this new medication works on the temperature control center of the brain. And it really um, does control the night sweats and the hot flashes 
but a little bit less effectively. It's 50% instead of 90%. And it's called Vioza. Um, and I think it's a potential breakthrough for the treatment of uh, menopausal symptoms. And it's nice to know that progress is being made in that area as well. It's another one of those health issues that just doesn't get spoken about very much. Right, for sure. Dr. Raymond's good news of the week. Um, my good news of the week has to do with Medical College of Wisconsin. And this Friday, we're graduating over 250 newly minted physicians, wow. pharmacists, public health and scientists, public health practitioners. That's great. So that's cause for celebration. Indeed it is. That yeah. is really good news. Buy yourself a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup. I will. Thank you. <laughs> You've earned A whole it. bag. Yeah. <laughs> I'll share them with you guys next week. <laughs> Dr. John Raymond is the president and CEO of the Medical College of Wisconsin. It's always great when you make the time to spend it with us. Thank you, Dr. Raymond. Thanks, John and Sandy.